welcome to Menopause in the Kitchen, where we talk all things food and nutrition for women in their midlife years. I'm Rachel Cooper, dietitian and food lover, with a passion for sharing information about nutrition in practical ways, so that you can take what you need and implement it into your lifestyle. Join me in my kitchen as I share bite-sized chunks of information to help you nourish your body and thrive in your midlife years and beyond. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, Thank you for hopping on today and having another listen to today's episode. And today's episode is going to be me having a little bit of a chat about why I don't focus on weight and why I don't recommend weight loss for um, the people that I interact with. Now, I don't do one-on-one sessions, but in the work that I do, I tend to um, focus more on uh, nutrition and, of course, the non-diet approach, so intuitive eating and food freedom and, and that sort of thing. And um, I don't, I, I don't talk about weight loss. I don't talk about how I can do, how I can help you do that or anything like that. And that's what I want to talk about today is why that is. Um, what is my reasoning behind that? Um, so to start off with, I guess, um, I, I wanted to, to say before I actually get into it, that I totally, understand that some people will want to pursue weight loss uh, for whatever reason that might be. Um, And I also know that for some people, uh, losing weight might actually make their life easier. Um, So uh, we live in a world that, you know, society doesn't value people who live in fat bodies. And, um, I totally understand that for some people, uh, the discrimination that they face and the, the fact that they don't get the healthcare that they, um, deserve, uh, and that they may not be able to do all the things that they want to do, or that they're limited in what they can do in terms of, you know, flying in a plane because they don't fit in the the seat, for example. Um, all of those sorts of things. Uh, for some people, weight loss is actually going to make their life easier because of the society that we live in. Not, not because it's better for them, but because of what they face on a day-to-day basis. And I'm, I'm going to talk in another podcast in the future about anti-fat bias and where that, uh, how that um, is quite prevalent in our, in our society, in the medical and health field, etc. So I'll go into more detail in another episode about that. But today I just want to talk about why I personally don't recommend weight loss or focus on that or provide, you know, the answer to how you can lose weight. Um, And the main reason really is because it doesn't work long term. (laughs) 
Um, so if we look at the studies and there'll be lots of people who say, yes, but there's research that says that X, Y, Z helps with weight loss and, you know, a significant number of people lost weight and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, of course, there are plenty, there's plenty of research out there that shows that people can lose weight. And I'm not saying that people can't lose weight. Of course they can. There's lots of ways to actually lose weight, but keeping it off is the part that I have an issue with because the majority of the studies that focus on weight loss are not done long enough to actually see whether that weight stays off longer term. So the studies that have been done that, um, you know, might be um, longer up to, you know, two years or more, which there's not a lot of them. The, what they found is the, the majority of people within two years have regained the weight that they lost, no matter what. And that's for a number of reasons. And again, I won't go into sort of too much detail into the the physiological changes and what actually happens. I might do that in a different podcast. But, um, but your body fights against you and tries to get back to the weight that you were. And so you're fighting a losing battle and um and so really within two years most people regain the weight that they've lost and many have regained more than than what they lost so they're sort of actually a higher weight than they were to begin with and the issue is that many studies on weight loss just they don't go that long they don't go for two years or more because it actually costs a lot of money to keep a study going for that long. Um, So the majority of studies would be like six months, 12 months, if you're lucky, 18 months. There's not many that actually go beyond that. And so it's easy to say, oh, yes, we've got the answer. We found that a significant number of people in our study lost weight doing X, Y, or Z. And... Yes, that might be true, but if they've only followed them for six or 12 months or even 18 months, uh, how do we know what happens after two years or more? Um, So that is one of the issues around people who say there's evidence that you can lose weight. Of course you can, but there isn't the evidence that you can keep it off. And I think that that's really, really important because I worry about what that does to the person who is trying to lose weight. So they may be wanting to lose weight for whatever reason. They follow this particular program, diet, whatever it might be. They lose weight and go, oh, yay, I lost weight. Isn't this wonderful? And then within two years, it's back on and they blame themselves. They think, well, there must be something wrong with me. I mustn't have the willpower or maybe I should have tried harder. Or, you know, many people when they start out on this journey have poor body image in the first place. They're probably not feeling very good about themselves full stop. And then they're being offered this this you know magic way of of losing weight and there's also often that feeling or that promise of oh you'll feel better about yourself 
once you lose weight. And that's a story for another time. But many people still have body image issues and still don't necessarily love themselves or love their bodies after they've lost weight. Um, Often it just becomes, well, what's the next thing? How can I go further? Or I'm still not happy with my life. Um, Weight loss isn't magically going to improve all of that. Um, so, so I worry about what it does to people's, uh, mental health and their mental well-being and their psychological well-being when they do regain that weight. And how does that make them feel? What does that do to how they feel about themselves? Uh, what are the repercussions of that down the track? No one really looks into that. No one actually goes and follows them up to say, well, what happened down the track? You know, if you regain the weight, what did that do to you? How did that make you feel? What what kind of, you know, um, issues ar- arose after that? No, no one really kind of follows people up to see what this does to people. Um, so, so that's really, you know, one of the, the main reasons that I don't focus on weight because we just don't have, there is no way that we know that someone can lose weight and keep it off for longer than two years. There's always going to be that small percentage of people that do, I know. So if anyone's listening and going, yes, but I know so-and-so and she lost weight and she kept it off and she's kept it off for five years now. Yes, of course, there's always going to be a small percentage of people who do keep it off. Um, I do wonder how that is like, what are they having to do? What is the cost for them to keep that weight off? And I would imagine there'd be a lot of disordered eating and, and you know, excessive exercise and, and things like that going on to in order to keep their bodies like that. Uh, so that's something we is not often talked about. You know, often people say, oh, so-and-so's, you know, she's kept the weight off for five years. It's amazing. But no one actually stops to think about what is that person actually doing? Um, what cost is that coming to um, for them to keep that weight um, where it is? So, yes, there will always be a small percentage of people who, who can and will keep it off. Um, it's no different to, you know, we know that smoking is bad for us. We know that smoking increases lung cancer and um, majority of smokers, the vast majority, will end up with either, you know, heart disease, COPD, lung cancer, or, or what have you. Um, but we could all say, oh, but I know this old man and he's like in his 90s and has been smoking this whole time. He's still alive and he doesn't have lung cancer. And So there's always going to be that small percentage of people who may not fit that, that narrative. But the problem is the vast majority do. Okay, and we're talking like 90% or more of people are going to end up regaining the weight within two years. That's all, that's, that's a lot. Um, so, and it's also why, you know, the, the diet industry is so successful in terms of money and the amount of money they make. They're a multi-billion dollar industry. If it worked, if what they did worked and people kept the weight off long term, would they be making billions and billions of dollars? No, because people will have lost the weight and they they would just continue on and that's it. That's that's the end of the story. But no, it doesn't work long, ta- long term. 
So people come back for more. They go, I'll have another try this time and see if I can make it work. They might come back several times or they'll just jump from diet to diet to diet. Well, that didn't work. Well, now I'll try something else and now I'll try something else. And that's why the diet industry is so lucrative because it doesn't work long term. That's that's basically how they make all their money. So if we think about it that way, you can really start to see the evidence building that 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 this sort of thing doesn't work. It doesn't work long term. And I really worry about what this is doing to people and how they're feeling about themselves when they're up and down, up and down, trying all these different diets or ways of losing weight and and never being able to keep it off. Um, so so that's, you know, and, and I guess if you think about if someone recommended uh, a medication to you or or said that we want to use this medication to treat a certain condition, but it only has about a 5% success rate long-term. <laughs> would that go ahead? Would, would, would that be allowed? Would you take it? Would you have surgery? You know, if a surgeon said, let's have this surgery, but, you know, in 95% of the cases, uh, it doesn't actually work. Um, would you go and have that surgery? And I know that having surgery is obviously, you know, something more invasive, um, than than doing a diet but I kind of still wonder what damage dieting is doing to people when they're doing it over and over and over again but the my point is you wouldn't sign up to something would you You wouldn't sign up to have surgery or take a medication that only had a five percent success rate long term yet we all feel the need to sign up to diets or to uh, try new ways of eating um, to to lose weight because the latest evidence says, oh, you know, this is what works. This is what you need to do. Um, and often these these sort of research um, studies get reported in the media, and so it becomes a oh, the latest thing. They did some research and they found that if you did this, you know, the majority of people lost weight. Well, yeah, of course they did. But did they keep it off? No one talks about that. And the other thing you need to be, you know, concerned, I mean, I'm not going to get into the whole um, detail of, you know, research studies and which research studies are actually um, strong research studies and which are not and all the flaws that can come with research and how you pick pick a, pick research apart. But I'm not going to go into those details. But one of the things that, you know, is really important with these research studies is what is the dropout rate? And so generally they have to report what the dropout rate. So if they were following people for six months or 12 months or whatever it might be, doing a certain, following a certain dietary pattern, exercise, whatever whatever it is, and then monitoring their weight and, and sort of following them up over that period of time, how many people dropped out of that study? So how many people were they not able to follow up because they either didn't respond or said, I don't want to do this anymore or whatever it might be? Um, because if they have a high dropout rate, what's happening with all those people that dropped out? They probably stopped following the diet because it was too hard uh, or, you know, or it, or their life, you know, made it too difficult for them to, to continue to do that. Um 
Or they regained the weight and then felt like a failure and thought, well, I'm not going to report back into that research because I wasn't successful. And so the dropout rate is really important to look at in studies because um, a high dropout rate means that, well, are their results as good as it looks if we haven't followed up a certain percentage of people because they they, they dropped out or didn't respond any further. So they weren't able to collect any follow-up information. So they're just a few of the things uh, and the issues that can come out with research. And, um, you know, the number one thing to remember is research is expensive and researchers need to get funding in order to run their research. And in most cases, there's a limited amount of funding for research, which means that there are limitations on how long, how long they can follow people up for, which is why most are only six months, 12 months, maybe 18 months. Those who follow people a lot longer and more longitudinally, uh, and there are some studies in the world um, that follow people for a very long uh, length, amount, amount of time. Um, but they're generally not weight loss studies. They're not looking at weight loss. They're generally collecting health information, lifestyle information, health markers, and so on over that person's lifetime or for a, you know, through the childhood or their adulthood or whatever the period of time is. Um, and then they use all of that information to actually look for patterns and and see what's, what's happening with these people and whether they can, you know, um, uh, um, look at their look at the patterns and the things that are happening with the, their health information. So generally, they're not just weight loss um, studies, and they cost a huge amount of money. Uh, so there's very few of them. So most studies that are just looking at does this cause weight loss or can we can we recommend this and people lose weight. Um, are generally only done for a shorter period of time because there's just not the money to be able to follow people up longer. So that's one of my issues. So that's, you know, I don't I don't want to recommend to someone uh, to how to lose weight when I know that within two years they're probably going to regain that weight. And you know what, uh, as a dietitian, I could do that. I, I could tell you, I could, I could sell a course or a program or whatever it might be and tell you, all you wonderful midlife women out there who are probably struggling with your body and your body image and all the changes that are happening during this time, because we know that our bodies change during midlife. Um, and weight gain is um, one, of, one of the things that many people will, will notice. Uh, as well as the like the shape of your body and the distribution of the fat that does happen during during midlife, and so we're vulnerable. You know, we're we're not feeling good about our bodies because they've changed, and we're kind of going, "Oh, my clothes don't fit. I'm going to have to get new clothes. I'm just not feeling, I'm not feeling myself. What is going What is going on here?" And so, if I was to come on and say, "Hey, I've got the answer." You follow my program, do my course, whatever it might be, and you'll lose weight. Lots of people would jump on that. I know that. I, I know I could do that. And there'd be plenty of women out there who would sign up. But I, in all good conscience, cannot do that. I cannot put women through that and tell them that I have the answer 
And yes, they might lose weight, but within two years they regain it and they're back to where they started and probably feeling even more crap about themselves. I just can't do that to people. That's just for me, that does not sit well with my values and the way that I live my life in general, but it's certainly not the way that I'm going to do business. Yes, it would sell a lot, but I'm not going to sell something that I feel uncomfortable about because I worry about what these women are going to end up being like within two years, or maybe less once they regain their weight. So it's not something you will hear from me. Um, and honestly, if you're looking for weight loss and you, and that's what you really want to do, there's plenty of it out there. I don't, I don't have to add to it. Um, my, where I sit is that I want to try to help you nourish your body during midlife. I want to support you to, um, incorporate gentle nutrition without restriction. I want you to enjoy food. I want you to enjoy moving your body. I don't want you to do all these things to kind of punish yourself or with this end goal of a number on a scale. Because when we start eating in a way that is the only reason we're doing it is because we want that number on the scale to change or we're moving our body only in a way that's going to change that scale number, we lose the enjoyment of what we're actually doing. And that for me is not, that's, that's not what I want for you. What I want for you is to, um, is to be able to move your body in ways that you enjoy, whatever that might be, um, whether that changes the number on the scale or not, uh, I want you to move your body in a way that is enjoyable, that you feel good about, and you're more likely to do it more regularly and longer term. And let's face it, moving your body has plenty of health benefits long term, whether you lose weight or not. And there's plenty of research that actually shows that. And when we're eating, if we're eating Um, and nourishing our body, but still being able to enjoy our food and not eat food just because I have to eat this because it's, you know, good for me or I have to eat this because, uh, you know, um, that diet told me that if I did, it would help me lose weight, but I actually hate it. I want people to eat what they enjoy and I want them to have like a balanced approach to thinking about Yes, we're enjoying our eating and we're able to have a social life and go out and um, eat cake for someone's birthday and, and all of those sorts of things. Um, but, you know, we, we, we learn about the foods that we can add to our diet that is going to nourish us during this time and help us give us energy and make us feel good and also to prevent any issues down the track chronic diseases osteoporosis etc so that's what i focus on i focus on how to help you feel good right now and into the future despite what your weight might be doing And I know that might be hard to hear and you might think, but how? How do I feel good without worrying about my weight? But if we're nourishing our body and eating 
the foods that we know will give us energy, will give us the, the nutrients that our body needs, and we're moving our body in a way that's enjoyable. So we're going to continue doing that long term for our health. That is what we should be focusing on, not that number on the scale. Because as soon as we start to focus on the number on the scale, we can change what we're doing just to make that number move. And what we're doing may not be what we actually enjoy or want to do, but we're doing it just to make that number move. So if we take away that number altogether and we're not hopping on the scales and we're just focusing on how we're feeling and maybe some biomarkers, you know, maybe uh, if you've got issues with your blood sugars or if you've got issues with cholesterol um, or your iron levels are low or whatever that, whatever, you know, your, your doctor might be testing, um, looking at changes there and then how you feel um, in yourself, that, that is what I want you to focus on. Because as soon as that, those numbers come into it, uh, we will start to, to change that and move away from what we actually enjoy and what we actually like to eat in order to get some kind of change happening with the numbers. So that's, that's basically in a, in a nutshell why I don't focus on weight. I could, but I choose not to. Um, and you will not hear me uh, talk about weight loss at all. Uh, you will hear me talk about nourishment. You will hear me talk about, um, you know, intuitive eating and being uh, in tune with your body and looking within in order to figure out what to eat and how much to eat rather than what somebody else tells you you should eat or how much somebody else tells you, you how much you should eat. Um, so that's really what I will focus on. And if that's for you, stick around um, because I've got a lot more for you. And if you want to learn more about how to nourish your body in a non-restrictive way without focusing on scales and numbers and weight, stick around because that's what I'm here for. And I know I'm not going to be the right person for everyone. Some people are really just looking for, they want to know, how do I lose weight? Tell me, tell me the answer. And like I said, there's plenty of other people out there that you can find that from. It's not going to come from me. Um, but if you're sick of all the dieting, if you're sick of looking at the scales and trying to figure out how the hell you keep those numbers down long-term, if you're sick of um, the yo-yoing up and down and not being able to live the life that you, the, the way that you live, if you find that you're all, all on, you know, exercise and eating and then you're off for, for um, a while and then you're back on and it's up and down, up and down, if you're sick of that, stick around because I will hopefully show you um, you know, I'll hopefully show you an alternative, a different way of thinking about things. Um, so that's it for today. Just a little chat. Um, and uh, if you have any questions or anything you'd like to know um, or know more about, I will be talking in some more depth about some of these things in future podcasts. Um, but yeah, if you if you want to know more about anything in spe anything specific, let me know. Um, send me um, a, a message over an Instagram or an email, um, however, however you want to contact me. 
Um, and yeah, we'll we'll have some more chats about this in the future. So if this is interesting to you, please um, su- subscribe or follow um, the, the Menopause in the Kitchen so that you will get updates as soon as I post um, or upload another, another um, podcast episode. So, um, yeah, so that's it for today. I just wanted to, before I finish up, um, I just wanted to let you know about a new resource that is available on my website. Um, So I recently wrote a blog post about how to um, create your own salad. So here in Australia, it's, I know for some people who might be listening, who are um, over the other side of like in the, um, you know, Northern Hemisphere or have winter right now, Uh, salads may not be on your radar, but um, it might be as the weather starts to warm up and you go into spring. But um, here in Australia, it's um, it's summer and salad season. Of course, you can eat salads at any time of the year. But for me, I tend to seasonally, you know, salads are, are kind of more of a summer thing. Um, and so if you're interested, I've put together a blog post about um, how to make interesting salads um, and to have a, a a variety of different ingredients in your salads. If you're anything like me, sometimes you get a bit stuck and you find yourself um, just kind of putting the same things into your salad and it gets a little bit boring. So if you're looking for some variety and trying to mix it up a little bit and include a range of different foods from um, that are that are going to you know benefit you um, and also taste good, um, head over to my website. I'll put a link down below in the show notes um, and have a look at the create your own salad um, blog post. Um, so I've got a blog post that goes through um, all the different components and the different ideas that you can have um, to add to your salads. And then there's also you can sign up and get a sign up to my um, newsletter and you'll get a link to a free PDF, which is basically sort of the blog post, but in a table PDF printable format and you can print it up and pop it on your fridge or whatever whatever have it handy um, so that when you're making a salad you can kind of use that as a little bit of a guide to increase the variety of the the foods that you're putting in your salads and kind of you know try to lift your game in terms of the salad um, uh, rather than sort of sticking to the same old particularly if you get a little bit bored with that. Um, so check that out. Um, if you are already signed up to my newsletter, and I know there are a number of you who are, um, I will in the next newsletter, I will link, um, I'll put in a link to the PDF so you don't have to sign up again. Um, I'll put a link in the P- in, in the newsletter that will um, give you that PDF for free so you'll have access to it. Um, you don't have to sign up again. Um, but yeah, if you're interested, please go check it out. If you're interested in my in my um, newsletter, I usually put one out once a month uh, with just some extra information, maybe some links to things that I think might be interesting um, or some recommendations for you know books or podcasts or, um, what have you, um, and a little bit about my, what might be happening um, sort of in the future. So uh, if I've got anything new coming up, which I am working on something um, that will be released at some stage this year, I'm not going to give any I'm not going to give any promises because I don't know how long it's going to take me, but um, I will have uh, some new things coming up. And uh, if you'd like to be the first to know, 
pop on to my newsletter, sign up and you'll get my monthly newsletter. I promise it's only, a, it's only once a month. Uh, they're not lengthy. I don't spam you. Um, so, you know, sometimes you can sign up to these things and then get bombarded with too many emails. I've certainly had that experience myself and I will not do that to anybody else. So it's only once a month. But you will be the first to find out if I've got anything new on offer. So um, if you're interested, uh, pop onto my website and um, sign up. But otherwise, I'm going to sign off now um, and go and enjoy the rest of my day. And thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all my listeners. In fact, I haven't checked, but I was getting the last time I looked, I was getting very close to a thousand listens on my podcast. So I'm very excited that um, you know, my podcast has been listened to, um, that's in total for the, for all the episodes, um, at least, you know, by a thousand times, which I'm very excited about. So, um, stick around. There's more to come. Uh, I'll be releasing episodes every fortnight from here on. Um, so I look forward to being back in your ears very, very soon. Goodbye.